Welcome once again to another episode of the Family Stories Podcast, where the stories are always told by those who live them. I'm Grandpa Jimmy with my lovely wife, Shirley, and we'll be your host for today. And we have some very special guests. In fact, these special guests are celebrating their 35th anniversary. Derry and Karen Jolly, thanks for coming. We're glad you're here. Thank you so much for having us. We're glad to be here. 35 years now. Uh, Karen, have you been able to put up with this guy pretty easily during that whole time? Yeah, absolutely. I love him with all my heart. He's definitely sent by God. Couldn't ask for a better mate in the whole entire world. Well, love there him. you go. What a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I can't wait to meet this guy. <laughs> I think I think that's what I would say as well. <laughs> hey, by the way. This couple has been doing a wonderful work in their life, and many of you know what it is. It's Ambassadors to the Nations, and it's a ministry that has gone into to, uh, South America, uh, and they are, they are working with kids and schools and so forth. I'm going to let them tell their story, and right before they do, though, just give us a little bit about your family, how you guys got together. Well, Derry and I, we met, like, like you said, 35, almost 36 years ago, and um, I had you know, always been a part of my church. My brother's a pastor, and I just prayed when I was a young girl that God would send me somebody into my life that would, um, you know, eventually get married to me, and I wanted to come to my church so I could still be with my brother and help lead the church, and I wanted somebody that loves sports because I love sports, and um, I asked the Lord a few special things. I wanted to be able to sing to each other in our wedding, and uh, both of us could sing a little bit, so we sang to each other, and (laughs) God sent me a great man to, to, you know, back then we was only doing our secular jobs. And after that, Derry came to work for the church at our church in Charlotte Freedom Christian Center. And I was still working in uh, recreation and physical education and sports. And we met and got married about a year after that and been happy ever since. So your heart has always been toward ministry. Is that right? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, we I grew up my whole life. Uh, went to a Christian school when I was young, and now Derry's story is a little bit different. I'll let him tell that, but I did grow up in the church and uh, raised, went to a Christian school, and shortly after that, my brother started church and been helping him ever since, and went long after that in 1990 when the Lord called us to the nations. Now, Derry's story, he wasn't raised in the church. Oh, you weren't, Derry. You weren't raised <laughs> no, in the church. No, I was raised in the street. I never went to church. I thought all churches were the same, Catholic, Baptist, Pentecostals. I thought they all preached the same thing. But after I got born again, I realized real quick there was a lot of difference in different religions. But when I came to Freedom Christian Center, I was a product of an uh, intercessory prayer group. And uh, they were praying for me. I was kind of what we might call backslid. I had been born again, but wasn't living too good for the Lord. And I came to church on my sister maybe come. She said, please come one time. And that was in 1984. And I've been there ever since. So right. God has done a work in us. So here you are, you guys are working in the church. And the wonderful thing about Darren and Karen is I call them real people, salt of the earth people. But what God has done with them is absolutely wonderful. How in the world did you get from there to working with these kids around the world? Well, in 1990, um, you know, we were going to church, serving our church, being youth pastors, working the children ministry and, uh, you know, doing everything locally in our church. And a friend of ours uh, started coming to our church 
and she started a missions program, and she had been to Nigeria, West Africa. And, of course, the pastor from uh, Nigeria, he had come to our church a lot of times, and we became great friends with him. She said, look, I'm going to Nigeria and wanted us to go. I never traveled in my life, never went anywhere. It was very different. But I asked Derry about going. He was like, oh, no, no, I've not lost anything in Africa. I don't want to go. And so I just kept saying, I really want to go. So I asked him, can I go without you? And he was like, oh, no, no, we don't go without each other. So I convinced him to go. So in 1990, we went to Nigeria. And once we got there, I heard the Lord speak to me after about a week. That Karen, would you be willing to change your whole life and, you know, give up what you got, you know, what you've been doing with your secular job and, you know, have compassion and go out there and, and change the lives of these children, these people one life at a time. So I fought it for about two years. I talked to Derry and um, I just knew the Lord. And then we had another uh, African pastor that said, you know, I thought the Lord has given y'all the mandate to do this ministry, to do missions. And so we had no idea. So a friend of ours had told us about a mission in Mexico. That was in 1992. That's when I finally heard the Lord speak to me. Karen, I want you to leave your job. I want you to go and do missionary work. That was in 1992. I heard him say, I want you to call ambassadors to the nations and you'll share his love around the world. Like I said, after two years of fighting him, I finally gave in. and I left my secular job with the sports. Finally, we organized a trip of 50 teenagers to go to Mexico. I tell people all the time, you don't. You don't take 50 teenagers anywhere, you know, let alone for two weeks. But you know what? God helped us, and uh, it was the best thing we ever done. And, you know, little by little, uh, we just started, you know, organizing teams to go to the nations. And our church helped us a lot every week. Uh, Daryl, what, tell now, you. When you, would, when you would travel down there, what were you doing down there? What was the purpose of going? Well, our main thing, we worked with a mission in Mexico for a while before we kind of started our own to get us kind of established. And we would take the young people and the, and the adults in and we would go into the streets and do like street dramas. Like we would organize street evangelism. We'd do puppets and dramas and dancing and singing just to draw a crowd. And the, and the skits were about, you know, um, like the plan of salvation. And then after we drew the big crowd, we would give an altar call, and, man, we saw so many people saved and healed and filled the Holy Spirit. And then we would direct them to our churches and uh, just started working like that at first. So, really, you went down there as an evangelistic ministry to win people exactly. to Jesus. Now, how did that transition into what you're doing now, into schools? Well, it was in 1994. Uh, Andrew Womack prophesied we was going to meet a man that would open up all of Central America to us. And we had no idea. My brother had gone to Cuba, and he met a pastor from Nicaragua in Cuba. And they just became really great friends, loved each other. Both of them were real silly and crazy and fun. And so he said, i got to get you to meet my brother-in-law and my sister. You know, we'd love to go to Nicaragua. So after we met him, we started doing things. We knew that was the man that God had prophesied that we would be. Because he did open up all of Central America. So... um. That was in 1994. So we started taking teams there, doing the same thing, evangelizing, going to the streets, working with his church. But after that, you know, my nephew traveled with us real heavy, Todd Melton, our director of operations. And Hey, Todd, you're there with him, right? Yes, sir. Say hi, Todd. How's everybody? Glad to be here today. 
So after Todd would, you know, help us direct the theme to do the evangelism, but and we started going to so many countries. We went to all of Central America. We were doing like 10 and 12 trips a year. And boy, after a while, we were young. We was like in our early 30s. We realized that, man, we're we're getting tired fast. This is not the way to do it, that we really need to disciple the people. So that's when the Lord started speaking to our hearts about if we could raise up Christian schools and have programs to funnel the children and the adults into, then we could train them in the word of God. We could train them in grace and faith and and let them go out and disciple their own people. At first, we thought we would just do like one little Christian school. We started with preschool. And, you know, back then, um, I'll let Derry tell you about our adventures of raising money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our, our daughter thought that washing cars every Saturday is part of the sacraments of the church. <laughs> she was growing up. She had to wash cars. We did that to raise money to take care of the kids. But our pastor in Nicaragua, he saw our play school program we had here and he asked Karen about could we not do something like that in Nicaragua and uh, we said well of course we could do you know 20 kids or something like that never knowing that it's going to evolve into schools but you know we just put our hands to something God began to bless it and before long we realized we got four Christian schools about 15 1600 students so yeah it wasn't like you started with some grand division it just evolved because you were helping people that's correct. You know what? The Lord told me that if you want a ministry, fall in love with people. Which so is Yeah, which is exactly what you guys did. And you've done this with children, correct? I mean, that's been yeah. your, main, your main focus. Am I right on that? Yes, sir. Well, the children, we think, is the future of our nation. And so we thought we could touch the children. They'll be, grow up and be able to touch their own country way better than we could do it. And so that's what's been our heart all these years. You know, Brother Jim, people see our growth now, um, but back in those first days with our church, people were so faithful. Our church was a few hundred people back then, and I mean, every week washing cars, we did yard sales, we cooked chicken dinners, you name it. We did it to raise our church, collected offerings. I mean, this was every week of our life. If we went in another country, we were raising money. And them first 12 years were very difficult. We would believe God if we had a, if we were building like a little classroom, we would pray, okay, God, we need a thousand dollars this week just to be able to, and we would stop after we raised a thousand and they would use up the thousand. We would stop that way. We had no indebtedness. And then we'd go out and raise it again. And we'd do, so we did it like that for years, just trying to get these, you know, first, just the first school off the ground. I remember, I remember being in Charlotte one time at your church and you were having one of those barbecues with chicken and you were raising money just for a trip. Todd will tell you, I mean, the, the labor, I mean, he grew up when it was hard with us. <laughs> <laughs> it was just every Friday you just come here to prepare to cook, to raise money for yeah. the trips. And Saturdays were dates to wash cars. And that was just the normal. We just did what we had to do and we just trusted God. I mean, there was there were some days we washed cars when it was raining and nobody would show up and we would be needing like five hundred dollars to pay off trip payments. And at the end of the day, a truck driver would come through and say, hey, I just need you to rinse off my tires. And we would rinse off his tires and he would give us five one hundred dollar bills. God always provided all of our monies that we needed for anything that we needed at the time. And his time is always perfect. So you weren't independently wealthy when you started. You you built this from nothing. 
Absolutely. Right. Yes, I, I mean, like you said in the beginning, like being humble. I mean, we still. I mean, people look at us because our ministry's grown. Like we should change. We, you know, we wear blue jeans and t-shirts everywhere, and you know, Derry's hair is long. We're just normal. We haven't changed. You know, other than um, we don't have to sell chicken dinners anymore. I mean, now God has blessed us. And so other than that, we've really stayed the same people. We live the same normal lives. And people tell us all the time, you know, you could do better than this. We're like, you know what? We want the money for the children. We don't want to invest it in things on the state side to make things more elaborate. That's just our own. For us, we just think if we can save every dime of the money, we can help more children know the gospel feed more children, clothe more children, because that's what the Lord told us to do it, spirit, soul, and body. It's hard to tell a kid how good God is, and they're hungry, and they've never had a pair of shoes. When they see the goodness of God, and you start demonstrating it, uh, they, they'll they know that this is a different life. Well, yeah, I know on your website, you're talking about meeting the physical and the spiritual needs, because so many of these people, and you're talking about working in the poorest communities. Yeah, absolutely. Like Nicaragua is the second poorest country in the western hemisphere i mean i tell people all the time they in the 1972 they went through a great earthquake destroyed i mean there were so many deaths and destruction then after that they went through you know 10 years of 10 or 11 years of communism and it really destroyed the country i mean it took it to its knees it went from being the wealthiest central american nation to now the poorest central american and the second poorest in the western hemisphere most people make two or three dollars a day they're just basically buying beans and rice to feed their families. And now that we built these schools, we've been able to employ, we got over like 110 employees. And now we pay them good salaries. We are able to bless them with homes. We take them care package. We ship containers with care packages. So let's, their life let's, is let's talk about a couple of things here. First of all, supporting one of your kids, when you're asking people to support a child, uh, are you still just asking for $10 a month? Yeah, the $10 is what we ask for a partnership, and the $10 is for each child. The $10 covers some of their expenses to travel, to go to our schools. It pays for their school supplies, um, helps provide for the meal a day. So the $10 doesn't actually go and hand it to the child, but it goes for the child to be part of our program. I mean, it's it's remarkable that you can give them a meal every day, that you can give them school supplies, they can come to school. Does that include, for example, the tennis shoes you guys give away, things like that? Well, we do other projects that we, when we send out our newsletters, we'll ask our partners to, to contribute to like shoes and uh, some of their uniforms or things that the $10 don't cover. The Lord told us to keep it that way. It's 33 cents a day. People that are on fixed incomes, you know, people that are widows or people that are um, maybe don't have abundance of money, they can contribute to this. We tell people all the time it's not a bill. So we don't want to put pressure on people to make it difficult to bless these children. Well, Plus, we, we guard that money. We don't touch that money. It don't pay for our expenses in the United States or anything. That money goes for them children to go to school in Nicaragua. So uh, if somebody wants to support children, 100% of the money gets to the kids. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. The money goes into a special account. We call it the uh, the children's fund account. And what happens is that money goes in there. That's only for the children. And everything that the children need, we have special partners that just send in money on a regular basis that don't necessarily support a child. 
but they give to our general fund. And what that money does is help buy school supplies. It helps repair the buses or whatever is needed for the school. But the children child support program is only for the children. So that's how we can do it. If we don't touch $10, it buys a lot in Nicaragua. I bet it does. And now you guys, I mean, you guys have other expenses, obviously. I mean, you have a warehouse. You're sending uh, containers down there all the time with supplies and so forth. All of that's expensive. So you have other partners that support that side of the ministry as well? Yeah, of course, like our partners that have the children, that sponsor children, we'll give them opportunity. Like if they want to, if we're sending like like three times a year, we'll do Easter, birthday, and Christmas care packages. And we ask the partners if they would like to be a part of that to bless their sponsor child. And about 95% of them do. We have a few that don't want to do it, which we never leave a child out. We always make the care packages for every child. So they give like 12 or $15 to help offset making those gifts. We buy everything in bulk and wholesale. We have people come in here and donate. Brand. We only send brand new everything, brand new shoes, brand new toys. We don't send anything used. Now so we'll go out. Go ahead. As you say, your your schools actually go all the way up through high school. They can graduate, can't they? Exactly. Our schools start from preschool, and then in Nicaragua, they graduate in 11th grade. Because they, they, their system's a little bit different. They call it secondary and primary. So we, we do the grades so the people in the United States and other countries can understand. So by the time they're in 11th grade, and you know what? In 2011, we added a grade every year from the time we started building. We started adding a grade every year. And then, of course, we found other land, and we started building another school. And then we found another land on an island. We go to a little island called Ometepe. Our schools are in Managua, Las Maderas, Ometepe. And we're building a brand new school in an area called San Francisco, Nicaragua. Now, did, so, I, did I hear you say that you guys are so respected down there that the government is actually either giving you permission or helping you with some things? Our pastor, Pastor Daniel uh, Ortega Reyes, he works with the government, even though he's a pastor of our church. And he also oversees our whole program in Nicaragua. He works for the government. So, you know what? We have been really blessed. Pastor Daniel was put in prison during the communist time. And because he was preaching the gospel and of course, when he was hired with the government, the, the president put him in prison, President Ortega. He's the president now. He had opportunity to share with the president. You know, I was in prison and you know, President Ortega told him he was sorry and if he could ever help him. So what they did, they'd given us a letter that uh, really helps us get our containers in. I mean, we still got to go through all the channels. You know, always they secure that our containers never seized or uh, they protect us, and we've always gotten every container out because of our relationship with the government that we have a good. I tell people all the time, we're not going to say anything negative against the government. The Bible says to pray for our leaders, and that's what we do. You know what? That way we can walk in peace and be respected with each other. Well, you've been doing this now for what? Uh, uh, let's see. That would be about 40, oh, 35, 30, 30 years. 30 30 years. years. So 30 years. at this point down there, how many kids do you actually, in all of your schools combined, how many kids do you have in? Well, we have the three main schools that we built, and of course, we're adding the new one. And then we have two schools that we sponsor. We have one school that their building is rented, and we sponsor that school. We paid the rent. Uh, it, be, it was a Christian, well, it was a little public school at first. And then there's another little school on an island called Granada in Nicaragua. It's a little island that children have to row in rowboats to get to that little island. It's amazing to watch these children come to school. And 
it's a public school, but we sponsor that school also. We give them curriculum. We give them presents. We give them Bible school materials. So, and then we have feeding programs like counting our schools. So if you combine all the children in Nicaragua, now this ain't counting the work we do in Mexico and the Philippines and Jamaica. Just in Nicaragua, we have over 3,000 children just in Nicaragua. So so progressively, it's become ministry to over 3,000 kids who all grow up, who all know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yes. So here's, here's an important question for you right now, the way that the coronavirus has been sweeping across the world. What's happening with all of your students and your kids and so forth? Well, right now in Mexico, um, Mexico, the after-school programs are currently shut down. Um, the Philippines after-school programs are currently shut down because of the government mandates. Um, but right now in Nicaragua, our schools are still open as normal. Uh, the students are being allowed to come if they want to come. Uh, it's not something that they're required. If they feel like they need to stay home, they they can stay home. But I talked to um, Enoch, our director in Nicaragua, and he says that about 95% of the students are in schools. So everything in Nicaragua is still on schedule. Now, of course, with all the shutdown in these other countries and the fear, because now Nicaragua's only had about five or six cases that they know of. And now Mexico's been hit a little tough. Philippines has been hit pretty bad. But these countries are really experiencing, um, like, because the parents are not getting to work. They've cut the hours back or stopped them from, like in Mexico, they've stopped everything, just like no church services, no gatherings, anything. And now they've, even the people that work making in Mexico, like 60 or $80 a week, they've cut their hours. So what we've been doing is raising money to, to give money to buy food because we don't want any of our children or our adults or our families to suffer. So we've been giving, sending the money to our leaders and our pastors and they've been able to go and buy some food in bulk or go take families to the stores, buying it uh, to be able to be sure that these families are being fed. And also with our feeding programs, they're actually taking the food to some of their homes because in Mexico, they can't gather them right now to feed them. So, you know what? God's been blessing us by people going to our website or calling here at our mission building and given to help us. We've sent. Well, as long, as long as you're mentioning that, why don't you give out your website, your phone number, whatever else you want. Let's just see if we can help you get some funds to, to meet the needs of those people. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, we've already sent about four or $5,000 in the last week to help with food. So our website is ambassadors to the nations at Gmail. I'm sorry, the website's ambassadornations.com. And then my web, I mean, our email is ambassador to the nations at gmail.com. And our phone number here at our mission building is 704-392-5929. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Them phones hit that buttons, but I made my mind. I had a senior moment, didn't I? Yeah, 704-392-5929. You, you don't call, so, you, you don't call yourself. I don't often. call it. No, I hit that button on that phone. But they can call our mission building. Uh, we have our staff. We are still working because we are humanitarian relief. I mean, we're just believing God everything's going to be on go. We got containers to ship in May for our mission trips in June and August. And as far as we're concerned, hey, we believe in God this is going to be over. and We're going back uh, to the countries that we work in and getting back to work. So we're excited. 
Well, you know, you guys have, to me, I call this a ministry where the rubber meets the road. These are the real kind of ministries that are really touching people directly. I love that. And, uh, uh, you know, it's just, I just want to encourage people that if you, if you have a heart to really help kids around the world, you couldn't find a better ministry to do that with. Thank you. Uh, so I, it, we just appreciate you guys so much and and uh, and what you're doing. Uh, I just lost my train of thought. Where was I going to go? With that? Well, see, the nice thing about this is I can edit this part out. <laughs> Shirley, do you have any Senior questions? moment. Hopefully that I just did. I was going to ask you this. You can answer it, but have you ever felt like quitting? Which day? <laughs> <laughs> that that, that well, says a lot right there. If, if we depend on our flesh, we'll want to quit a lot. But you know what? If you go back to what God's put in your heart, you can't quit. How are you going to quit? You can't retire from being a Christian. How are you going to do that? And years ago, I told the Lord, I said, I just want to help. And I tell people all the time, don't say that if you don't mean it. Because God will call you out. If you say that, he'll, he'll start using you, even though you think you maybe you're not the, the best one for the job, but at least you're available for it. We've, we've thought about quitting a couple of times, but I tell you what, we stick with it because that's what God's called us to do. My hardest time was after we got going, you know, we were going at it like crazy. I mean, I really thought my heart, I was young. I thought we was going to conquer the world in a few years and uh, about. 26 years ago, I contracted a blood disorder, and I'll be honest with you, it, it literally about killed me. If not for the grace of God and just knowing the word that my brother taught and listened to Andrew Womack and other people on healing, I wouldn't have made it. So, you know what? I always, I mean, I suffered for eight years. I mean, it was almost somewhat I could bear, but every trip I would go, and I would just tell the Lord, I would go sick. I didn't care. I just went. I said, Lord, if something's going to happen, I'm going. If I'm going to die, I'm going to go traveling. And every time I'd come back, and then the Lord gave me this great peace. One time he told me, um, you know what, Karen, you're going to see that first kids graduate. But there's been a lot of days, I'll be honest, I've woke up feeling sick in the countries. And there's this like, Lord, let me let this be my last time. And then I start feeling back good again and thinking, man, I can't never quit. I love this. And, you know, I'm believing God every day for healing. I'm not going to let this determine if I keep going or if I quit. No way. It does take a lot of determination to stay out there doing that kind of work and work on the mission field day after day, year after year. Yes, sir. And not give up and not quit. And the reward does have to be eternal because they aren't always great rewards while you're in. How many have graduated? Well, we've averaged usually about anywhere from 30 to 60 a year. And we started in 2011, and this is 2020. So I would say an average about 50 students a year. What has that been? Almost 10 years, so over 500 students. I, I, just, I just think about those 500 graduates that are now all over the country down there, and they right. all know Jesus. You are getting the gospel into those nations in a way you could never do it if you just went down and preached. That's, That's right. right. That's right. right. It's disciple them. You know, taking these, like, first of all, letting them have a good education. That's their future. You know what? If they don't have a good education. They're going to stay in the fields working for one or two dollars a day. You know, but give them an education, but then showing about God's love and receiving Jesus 
and teach them about having compassion, like they learn to be givers. Like right now, some of our graduates, I love this, they're teaching the Bible lessons in our in our um, feeding programs in Nicaragua. So that's the neat thing. I watch these children grow up, and now they know the Word of God that they can even teach the children. Like during this Corona time, we weren't able to travel in in March. That was one of our next trips for Easter, and they've been sending me pictures that our staff in Nicaragua's been and our young people's been out doing all the evangelism for us. They delivered all the gifts to our students. They delivered all the packages and fed the children. Did everything. Taught the Bible lessons. They dressed up and like like Todd does with being Poncho the Clown, and they did all the characters. They did everything as if we were there. And that's what I said. Well, Lord, you know, if the borders ever got completely closed, the gospel will be continued because that's these right. kids have been discipled and they know the true gospel. What, what, I have one more question for you. I, we probably ought to wrap this up, but I got one more question for you. It's a, kind of a hard one. You know, you're helping thousands of kids right now, but that is a drop in the bucket. What? I mean, you must have them lined up. But it is true. I mean, when you think about the millions and billions of people, but we know that we are touching these lives, you know, within our means. I tell everybody all the time we can't feed the world. We can help evangelize it, but we can't feed them all. Well, you guys are doing a wonderful work down there. It's just a privilege to know you. We love you guys. I'll tell you, you're such a blessing. And uh, we just consider this a ministry that we would never stop giving to. We might stop giving to to some ministries for whatever reason. But uh, when it comes to ministries like this that are touching people where the rubber meets the road, it's one of our favorite things to do. So we just thank you for all the hard work. God bless you guys. Yeah, we appreciate you so much. God bless you. Thank y'all. Yeah, thank y'all. For all of you who are listening, thank you for taking the time to listen.